Welcome. We're starting now. Welcome back to the City Life Family Podcast. Our aim is to equip and encourage you as ministry leaders along the way uh, for life and all the areas of your world. So we are today with uh, my good friend, Nate Morgan. He's the lead pastor at City Light Lincoln North and uh, husband uh, to Becca and father to four children. So it is amazing to have this guy. We want to talk to him about neighboring. So uh, this guy's story in short is one where he moved into a neighborhood, saw people come to know Jesus, and actually planted a local church to engage his neighbors. Pretty cool story that God has written through you, Nate. We're excited to have you here. And I'm always with my good co- my f- good friend and co-host. Jared Cleaver. In the that's, house. That's right. Come on. Saying it with enthusiasm that's and right. energy. Representing Providence Church yeah. in and Central Jared, Omaha. Th- this is a topic that actually you care deeply about. I mean, this is something you and your wife have aimed to do uh, at multiple different moves across the city. So um, excited to get your input on this too, dude. It's good, but I, I'm not the expert here. We're, we're no. talking. To, we're talking to Nate today. I, no, I'm I'm hoping he can break something open because I have some hermits in my neighborhood that I want to I want to crack that shell and, mm. and and see something happen. At least maybe know their name or have them look me in the eye when they get out of <laughs> right, the car or right, something. I right, don't know. Right. Neighborhoods are fun, and we're all in them. And so, trying to figure out the the culture of your neighborhood, the story of your neighbors, the name of your neighbor is a start. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things there. So, uh, Nate, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a, a, any more introduction or bio before we jump in. Um, go ahead. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, I grew up in a little tiny town called Indianola in southwest mm. Nebraska. Six hundred mm. people. Yes, tiny. I uh, grew up with uh, parents that love Jesus, and honestly, um, that that modeled, I feel like, neighboring pretty well for yeah. me, uh, so that's kind of where my story starts, um, but met my wife at Penn State, going to school there, and we got married right after graduating and went into full-time ministry from there, doing college ministry for a couple of years, moved to Lincoln, joined the City Light family, and just four years ago now, planted City Light North wow. Lincoln. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Uh, Nate is being extraordinarily humble. Uh, things you need to know about Nate is, first of all, godly dude. Appreciate you, seriously, um, not only your ministry in the church, who you are in your neighborhood, off stage, the presence that you have is uh, just really awesome. I just think people really encounter the peace of the Lord. And also, you've done a great job um, not only planning a church, but now calling your church to become a church planning church. It's mm. been really, really cool to see. If you don't know Nate, He's got a burden for rural church planning and yeah. uh, excited to see how God uses that blood. voice. Um, but Nate is being humble because I didn't know this about him, but have you ever tried to play volleyball with Nate? He, the best sand volleyball player in the entire city. Literally. Like unbelievable. Like, he should be on a professional, like the Tom Cruise Top Gun movie, you yep. know, where they were all yep. playing volleyball. Uh-huh. Like, Shirts b- off. Literally, yep. that's yep. Nate Morgan. Like, yep. Nate, Nate can elevate somehow. He, he's, I mean, not... Anything more than five nine? Four. Oh Maybe. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to give it a little, but <laughs> five but, nine is pushing but, it. But, but man, uh, somehow the Lord has given him an extra tendon in those legs because the brother just elevates. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a thorn in my flesh because yeah. I have some pride in my sand volleyball skills, and I mm. thought I was the best, no. and I got embarrassed. No, and that so happened. now I'm just it's been a struggle. I'm a witness yeah. to that moment, um, and. Uh, Nate and his amazing wife, uh, Becca met at Penn state. They're both college athletes. And, um, and so he's an athletic dude, but it's really, really fun to see them, uh, now leveraging their lives for King mm-hmm. Jesus in some cool ways. So, Hey, let's jump in. I want to ask you too, you're both pastors and neighboring is not just a great idea that we came up with. Mm-hmm. 
it seems to be something in the Bible. So I'm going to throw this to Nate first, Jared second, but just take me to the Bible. Like, why is Christians, especially ministry leaders who are on this podcast, um, should we be even thinking that neighboring um, and living on mission in the places we live, work, and play is a God-honoring idea and command? So yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah, take us somewhere, Nate. Yeah, it's good. I mean, a couple places that come to mind for me, uh, Ephesians 2. Yeah where we get to see Paul explain this radical transformation that yeah. we go through when when we meet the grace of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? We go as enemies of God, um, yes. as as slaves to to the ways of this world yep. than but God, right? Yep. Showing his 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 rich mercy and his kindness to us saves us. He shows yep. his grace to us not by anything that we do, but by what he's done. And a little further down the passage it says that he's he's prepared where his workmanship, where his this beautiful masterpiece that he's prepared for good works. And um and I think that translates into just where we live, work and play. Yeah. Um, and then it also makes me think of 1 Corinthians 5, when, yeah. when Paul is describing who we are in Christ. He says, we used to be at enmity with God, yes. but now we've been reconciled. We've been brought into this like wholeness of relationship with Him. And because of that, we because of His grace towards us and making us a new creation, we now have a ministry of reconciliation. We get to go offer what we've received to to the people around us, and and he calls us ambassadors for Christ. Nice. And so um, an ambassador, we all know this, but they're someone in a foreign land um, that represent the beliefs, the value systems, the the desires of this, this foreign country, right? And so I think we as followers of Jesus, if we've met Jesus, we now, where we live, work, and play, we are his ambassadors. Yes. We are his represent, representatives. We... Um, we get to communicate the the beliefs, the desires, the wants of um, of our of our king yep. in that place, and that includes our neighborhoods. Um, and I would even go as far to say, it it Jesus very much so intends for it to be our neighborhoods. Yes. Um, that that he is by his sovereign ga- grace placed us amidst those people for this purpose. So yep. yeah, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I think a couple things come to mind. Um, one is uh, in John 20, where Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So there's yeah. a sending nature to mm-hmm. where, like, we sometimes just think, hey, we make decisions, and we just land in places, and it's random, and okay, that's great. But, like, there's a sent nature to where we are. And if you back up before that, the Father sent Jesus. So the nature of the whole, like, yeah, the incarnation, like Jesus came to like, yeah, be incarnational in like amongst peoples, in towns, in neighborhoods. He was doing this ministry. That's how Jesus displayed it for us. And so now he's turning around and say, Hey, I'm sending you to do this. And the, you know, the language that he uses in Acts 1 is that we're witnesses. Like, where we go, we're carrying mm-hmm. this thing that we've been witnesses to something greater, and now there's this, uh, you know, expectation that we're going to be saying something, living differently, talking about this, yeah. where we go, and so now we find ourselves in a neighborhood. Are yeah. we actually going to do that, carry that out? No, yeah, I, good. I've got two things. One of the controversial things that Jesus said is, remember, he somebody was trying to ask him, like, which is the greatest commandment? He says... You know, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. But then he says, also love your neighbor as yourself. And their follow-up question was like, well, who's my neighbor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, they yeah. didn't want to have yeah. to, to love a certain kind of Gentile, mm-hmm. rebellious, mm-hmm. Greek 
thinking person. They wanted to love people that were just like them. Yeah. And um, and so, by the way, I think that's still in us, by the way, right? You're driving down the, the neighborhood and you see people with political signs that are maybe different than yours mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they just live very differently. And the question is, are we going to run from them or move towards them and love them like God's called us to? The other one was Acts chapter 17. I love this. He said exactly what you were talking about, Nate. He, having determined the allotted periods, so he's created us. God has created us sovereignly to live in this time right now. And you might argue with this being the worst moment in culture or the best moment in culture. Either way, God sovereignly dropped you right here in this mm-hmm. year, in this time. Mm-hmm. And he says, and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So just the fact that you live where you live and you occupy the dirt you do, mm-hmm. um, God in his sovereignty has put you right there for mm-hmm. this moment to be exactly what you said, an yeah. ambassador, a sent one, mm-hmm. a kingdom agent, a workmanship for Christ Jesus. And um, that really helps me, right? Like we generally as Christians have an idea that we are supposed to be on mission to a fallen, broken world. But sometimes we can take that mission and think it's just to the nations. And it seems like there's a mission there, mm-hmm. yes, but also to your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that was the command that Christ gave you. So, so Nate, how have you and your wife started to live this out? Take me through the journey of you guys coming to Lincoln and catching a vision yeah. to live on mission uh, in your neighborhood. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think, I mean, I think some of it starts with the conversation yeah. that we're just, we just had, yeah. that actually believing that being an ambassador for Christ isn't, isn't an, like an optional thing. It's mm-hmm. who Jesus says we are yeah, now right. if we are in Christ. Yep. And so it's not, hey, we can choose to be an ambassador if we're in this neighborhood, or we can choose to... Pre- it's You You are a representation mm. of mm. Jesus, whether you're aware of it or pursuing it or not. You are mm. his representation. You're his embodied presence to that neighborhood. And so I think just one of it, part of it for us is just owning that reality, yeah. um, accepting that reality. But my wife and I, I don't know what why in particular, other than just like believing God. Um, we are who God says we are, but we've had just a particular heart towards pursuing our neighbors. Um, ever since we first got married, yeah. back in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, mm. newly married couple, living in a duplex next to this other couple. And what we found over and over again as we try to open ourselves up to relationships with people that don't know Jesus that live next to us and people that do, but is um, our dinner table. Come on, bro. Just yes. Just the the moment we open up our dinner table, um, it completely transforms mm. the mm. relationship we have with other people um, where we where we live. And so um, we've moved a couple times now, and every time we move, we we try to quickly, like early on in our relationship with people, and they don't always say yes, but invite them to our dinner yeah. table, invite them into mm. our home, into our space, into. And it goes back to that ambassador piece into seeing like who we are, what we value, what we desire um, as we're rep- representatives yeah. of the king, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's the way Jesus broke down walls, yeah. right? I mean, he seemed to use, uh, you know, Matthew as a great example of that to the point where he's eating with people who believe something very different than him yeah, yeah. and behave in very different ways. But he's like, no, let's get around the table. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm and start to build a relationship. So uh, that takes a little work, though. So like what you just said is obviously biblical, incarnational. It's Jesus's model. Sure. But, you know, there was a few steps. Like, let me just build this out. Okay. Step one would be like, you've got to know your neighbor's name. Yeah. You've got to have some question of, hey, 
How long have you been in the neighborhood? What's your name? Um, it, building some level of rapport mm-hmm. somewhere in the front yard. Yep. And then figuring out a way then to build that bridge and invitation. So at some point, I don't know, did you guys walk around the neighborhood? Did you introduce yourself to your neighbors? Uh, did you just kind of strategically say, I'm going to mow my lawn on Saturday because it seems like everybody else is mowing their lawn on <laughs> Saturday and I can walk over and kind of be the creepy neighbor? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in my neighborhood, to be honest, that takes some real missional thought. Yeah. Because I live in a neighborhood where you pull into your driveway, the you know the garage door comes up, they pull in. You might not even see your neighbor, mm-hmm. other than when they go to get the mail and then mm-hmm. and then go back in. And so uh, it takes work to figure out like how do I even bump into these people. Um, so take us into some of that. Yeah, I think I mean I think all the things that you said. I think it's surprising how quickly you can actually transform a culture of a neighborhood mm-hmm. um, just by being present. Yeah. And so, yeah, doing things like mow your lawn on Saturday. Yeah. Um, we had we made it a whole four months into marriage before my wife got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh-huh. we, but we're just intentional with our kids of like, let's play out front. Yeah. Let's just be in our front yard. And we've been in neighborhoods where it was, it took a while where we're just out there. Um, and... And like, n- no one's interacting with us, but then yeah. a little time, catch somebody on a walk, walking by the sidewalk yeah. in front of you, have a conversation, and pretty quickly you will see your neighborhood like move to the front. It's kind mm, of crazy. We've yeah. seen it time and time again. We've seen kids like just come over and play with our kids because mm. they see other kids out playing and, um, and get invited into their lives and, um, and Jesus do some crazy things through that. So yeah, I think... I think a part of it is just just your physical presence, like where intentional where, presence. Yeah, where you yep. put your body matters. Yep. Um, yep. And so, not closing the garage door behind you, yep. um, but but taking your kids out front, taking your wife out front. Yep. Like if you're gonna have a great conversation with your wife when you get home, just go do it in the front in some yep. lawn chairs, yep. and you'll be surprised. Like the doors got opens to new relationships. Yep. Yeah, you find most people in in the neighborhoods that you've lived are fairly receptive, open, like willing to go go there have conversations i mean not not like 100 percent day one yeah um but over time yeah yeah actually yeah. i think people yeah. are generally they i think people want to be in a neighborhood where they know their neighbors and they have neighbors that care about them. I mean, right. who, who doesn't want to be in that neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. And so to put yourself in a place where you can be known and you can demonstrate that you care about other people i think like there's very few people I think around that are going to say, nah, I don't want that, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So one of the things, I don't know if you, oh, you have right. something. No, I was just, so before we got on here, you were talking about uh, landing where you did mm-hmm. in Lincoln mm-hmm. in your current house. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I mean, it wasn't by accident, but right, right. not much forethought. And you've seen some cool things happen in your neighborhood. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. 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 So uh, my wife and I newly married. We have a six-month-old kid. Um, long story short, feel called to move to Lincoln, Nebraska from Pennsylvania um, and to join staff at City Light um, Lincoln Church. And, and so we pick up with our six-month-old, take all our stuff, and drive across country. And But before we did that, we had, we had just sought out some houses. We didn't want to rent. We wanted to buy a place. We wanted to be stable in a spot for, um, for the long haul. And so we, we started looking and we looked all over the city. We didn't know anything about neighborhoods. We didn't know anything um, about, we, we just had, this is how much money 
we have and can afford. Like this is the the price of a house that we can afford, and it wasn't much. Um, and so we were, yeah, we were just looking wherever we could find a spot, um, and and we landed at this this house in Northeast Lincoln, and we didn't know anything about Northeast Lincoln, zero, nothing. Um, but we moved there, and as we live there, we start to build relationships with our neighbors. And I got we have an eighty year old that starts coming to. Um, our church occasionally and come into our city group and God produces from that. I actually, um, a couple of years ago, got to do his, got to do his funeral and got to share the gospel with his, his son that didn't know Jesus and just crazy things happened through that relationship. Um, but one of the, like, it's still hard for us to wrap our mind around how, like just the goodness and the grace and the sovereignty of God um, in this story is we moved into this neighborhood, and one of our neighbors, a couple houses down, we found out was um, a foster parent for teenage kids. And she had a foster daughter that had aged out of the program, um, aged out of foster care, but would still come and stay with her occasionally. Um, and she was a refugee from South Sudan. Um, and we would, she would just walk down the sidewalk sometimes, and we would just be out front have conversations. We, so we start to build a relationship with her. She gets to the point where she just comes over and hangs out, our ho- hangs out at our house sometimes, starts coming to church with us occasionally. She's like around for a stint of time, and then she's off the map for six months, and then she comes back and she's around for a stint of time. Well, one of the times that she was off the map and then we saw her again, she was pregnant. Um, and so we start talking to her about it, um, and she's, she's like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be a mom yet, all these different things. And we're like, well, just so you know, we want we want to be here with you in whatever way that we can. Uh, long story short, she has her baby. Um, has he's he's taken away because there's drugs that are found in his urine, and from DHHS. And she writes down her foster mom and Becca, my wife, as the two people that can care for him. Um, and so we're like kind of blown away, honored by that. Um, and then fast forward a couple more months. Um, it gets to the point where, where she's, she lands on she's not ready to be a mom at this time. And so she, the state comes to us. The state comes to us and says, hey, will you guys adopt this guy, um, this, little, this little boy, Issa? Um, and we had been doing respite up to that point, and we just, yeah, we felt really compelled by Jesus. It seemed like no-brainer, God, you brought him into our life. And so now Issa's our son. Um, he's, he's a three-year-old little boy that is um, thriving amidst three other brothers. And, um, and it's just super humbling and wild to look back and, and be like, literally, if, we, if God didn't place us in the house that we were living in yeah. at the time, Issa wouldn't be our son. Right. Mm. And it's hard to even fathom our family without him mm-hmm. as, as, as a, one of our one of our kids, you know? And so it's just, yeah, it's humbling um, just to, to see God's sovereign hand um, use simple acts of, like, neighboring yep. to just tra- change lives. It's, yeah, it's Dude, crazy. Yeah. That's so awesome. And can I just say good work? Like, oh, it's so cool. And as you, you know, scour the scriptures, you see God's heart for the vulnerable. He mm. mentions the widows and orphans. You have this boy who then all of a sudden doesn't have a mom. And so I think when you think of neighboring, 
you know, obviously evangelism is one of the first things kind of at the top of our list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's like a, a whole, like a holistic picture to how you neighbor, how you love your neighbor. Yeah. And you probably weren't moving to that house expecting to, you know, carries God, carry God's heart for an orphan in a way that you would, you know, a, yeah. a boy without a, you know, now a mother or a father and take him in, but you did it. And I think there's just something so like beautiful and God honoring about that. So yeah. So yeah, pretty cool. Thanks, um, okay. So you guys obviously say yes to this opportunity, but take me into at some point, just being in that neighborhood, God started burning your heart for that whole area of the city. And that led yeah. to a possible, you know, a church plant that now you're lead pastor of. So um, how did you start to catch a, a vision for, I'm not just seeing a couple people that feel really far from God. I'm seeing an entire community that mm-hmm. in many ways, mm-hmm. the church has vacated this neighborhood for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and there need, there, there is a need for a new gospel work right here in my backyard. And so mm-hmm. instead of calling my neighbors to drive 25 minutes downtown or wherever, I, I want to actually see Jesus do a brand new work all around here. So how did that start to happen in your heart? What were some of those conversations? Yeah. You know, sometimes you see an abandoned building and it's almost like this vision. You're like, mm-hmm. God, I want to like, I want to see that transformed. Mm-hmm. And that's like a little picture of like, I want to see a story and a life change, you know? So talk to me about how you started catching a, a, a vision for that. Yeah. I think part of neighboring, what plays into that is, is not just the people that live next door to you, but is is the area of the city that you live in. Um, Northeast Lincoln is distinctly different than the rest of the city. It's kind of this blue collar, working class, middle class neighborhood, older homes, um, rapidly growing in diversity. The way we paint the picture oftentimes is you get the 60, 70 year old, old white guy with a shirt off mowing his lawn. And then um, this diverse group of kids walking home from school next to him. And that's that's kind of like this picture mm-hmm. of, of Northeast Lincoln and just literally buying our groceries there, um, shopping there, getting a mechanic there, all these different things in that pocket of the city. Um, we, we, I feel like God just began to capture our heart for, for Northeast Lincoln specifically. And then as we have more conversations with people in administrative positions in schools and different in different spaces like that. Uh, one of the phrases that we heard over and over again as we just living in Northeast Lincoln is it feels like an overlooked area of the city. Yeah. Um, and we we know that our king loves to move towards the overlooked. And, and so that paired with just being there and seeing the faces and hearing the stories. I think of Jesus when he when he tells his disciples to um, to pray for labors to be sent out into the harvest, it was because he was looking at the crowds. It was because he had been ministering to the crowds and his heart broke for them. He saw them as helpless and harassed. And so Mm. um, I think like, as we live in the space, as we do life in the space, God catches our hearts for the brokenness and the hurt that's happening in that space. And, And then in a sense, a church is a byproduct, you know, of like Jesus just sending out laborers to, to that space. So... I think it's one, that's, that's, yeah, part of our story with that. I love it. And um, I love the way you went to that same verse that Jesus has when he's looking at Jerusalem and mm-hmm. he's saying, man, there's all these people, mm-hmm. all these people. And they had some religious leaders that were propped up. Yeah. But this, 
Jesus is seeing past all the facade, and he's mm-hmm. like, there are people far from God, and mm-hmm. there is no one who is moving towards these people to bring them good news. Yeah. And we know the kingdom is twofold. It's declaring truth, and it's demonstrating mercy and good deeds. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, really fun when you can find God just starts to speak to you. So all that to say is if you're listening and you're like, man, what? this is really big. Like Nate is on the spectrum of like one percenters, okay? So like... You go, and, and is the average person listening to this podcast going to adopt a son from a neighborhood refugee and then plant a church in their backyard to reach the community that God has sovereignly placed them in? Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. We would ask God to write that story yeah. over a yeah. thousand times. Mm-hmm. We, what we do want folks to hear is that this should be normative. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian— like neighboring, knowing the name, praying for your neighborhood, figuring out a way to serve them, whether that's scoop their snow, help them mow their lawn, mm-hmm. um, invite them to dinner to show their mercy, wave at them and be friendly, play in the front yard. These are little things we're trying to give you to, but you've got to catch the heart, mm-hmm. right, of I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm on mission. God has put me right here to be salt and light mm-hmm. to these folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I just hope that folks are catching that. You know, we say at City Light, it, it's not okay for you to be an absolute boss or beast on the pulpit, but mm-hmm. an absolute wimp in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We want you to be a disciple maker in whatever kingdom spot you have within the church. Yeah. But this is so big for us, Jared, because, you know, for me and you and many of us at this table, many of us listen to this podcast, we are professional Christians. Mm. Yeah. We literally get paid to hang out with other pastors, to hang out with other church leaders, to lead elder boards, to speak at events. And... What is the one area of our lives that we are in proximity to people who might be very far from a living and good God? Our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy for us to say we did God's work and then walk into the neighborhood and say, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really possible for me. I've seen in my own life through my preaching ministry and other things, I will almost always have somebody I get to baptize on Baptism Sunday just because of the, the ministry I get to do within the church. But you know what's even more fun? is bringing people into the congregation and seeing them get baptized. And they started as my neighbor. Mm -hmm. They started Mm -hmm. as a person who I was coaching basketball with. Those are sometimes the places we as Christians need to understand. That's not like separate. That's not like the, oh, now I'm done kind of work. Um, And so I just want to encourage, I guess, ministry leaders, Nate, with your story. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, how have you seen this reproduced in your church? How is this, how have you modeling this? now maybe mobilized others who are in this faith-filled, you know, adventure mm-hmm. in their neighborhood saying, God, how would you use me in your redemptive work right here? Like, um, have you seen people take that step of faith to get to know a neighbor and have somebody over? And maybe it got messy and weird, but like, at least they're trying, right? Totally. Like, totally. Yeah. I think one of the spaces, so we have the, we have city groups, right? Yeah. We have these mid-sized communities that meet in our homes. Um, and we, we've always hosted a city group. And we have seen, we've seen people from our neighborhood come to our city group yeah. um, continuously over and over again. Sometimes they stay, sometimes they don't. Um, but I think that um, people in our city group, also in our home, doing life with us, um, are getting to witness this. And so we see them begin to engage their neighbors in a meaningful way because they see that it's not that hard. Right. You know? It, right. Presence is 90% of it. And so, um, and a little intentionality with conversation and God blows open the doors to these people's lives and their hearts and, and you, and you get to have real impact on the 
And turns out when you love your neighbors well and they know you care about them, yeah. it's more enjoyable to be their neighbor. Come on. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that people in our, in our circle um, of like our city group, get to see that modeled and we've yeah. seen yeah we've seen people live in p- apartment complex and bring a guy to to their city group to the church we have we've actually seen happen multiple times in our church where someone that is been going to a city group for months or longer before they ever come to a sunday morning gathering mm. because yeah. people are engaging their neighbors well and just inviting them into the community that's gathering in their home and so it's less intimidating. I've been in their home before. I've ate dinner I, at their table before. And so, sure, I can go into this community that's doing that on a Wednesday night or whatever it is. So, yeah. Hmm. So I, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about this because there's probably, you know, people tuning in. That a lot of them, like us, work at churches. You know, I got four kiddos. Nate, you got 14 kids. Mm-hmm. Chris, you've got about the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yesterday I got a and was working on something at like 6.30 in the morning and then did the work thing and then went and got kids and quickly got them dinner, went to a worship night at church. You know, meanwhile, I was picking up my girls from this cheerleading camp that they did at the local high school and then came back. I'm like, is it like, mm-hmm. do we really have to, do, like, how, how am I supposed to do it? Like, I want to come home sometimes and I just want to like, oh, yeah, retreat. Lay, yeah, retreat. Totally lay down, like not talk to anybody. I don't even know if I want to talk to my family sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. like, how do you speak into that? What are some steps if we've caught ourselves in a little bit of like a, dude, I just, I'm, I'm so exhausted right now. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you call people out of that and some simple first steps? I know we were talking about some of this at the very beginning, but what would you say? Yeah. I think what's, what's awesome about your neighborhood is you spend a lot of time living where you live. And so it's less about addition, you know, and more about intention where, yeah, sometimes it is hard. Sometimes your neighbor wants to have a conversation with you and you just want to shut the door and go inside. And sometimes I do, honestly. But, and sometimes I send the neighborhood kids home. Yes. Say, go home. I'm done. You know, you need to go home. But there, but think of, think of how many people in our lives that we invest well in, in one, for one hour, once a week, you live in your home you go there every day. Yeah. And so five minutes yeah. once a week or five minutes every other day or something like that builds up quick yeah. in relational capital with people. And so I think there it's, it's not like, a, um, hey, you need to spend every evening in your front lawn um, interacting with people. And honestly, my interaction with my neighbors over the winters, it decreases. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just the nature of it, but there's seasons, and that's okay that right. there's seasons. Right. Um, and so I think using the seasons that, that you do have more space and capital and church rhythm calendar, typically we have more space over the summers. And so using that and being intentional with that to, to create spaces to engage well with your neighbors, I think God set it up pretty well for us. For sure. I, uh, just to add on that is, is, it is for our church leaders to really think if this is really a value we do need to pay attention to how do we try to schedule the church. And as mm. a, a father and a leader of your own home, how do we schedule our families? Because I'm with you, Jared. You're in the kind of younger kid stage, yeah. uh, but eventually your kids, knowing Sports, your boys, yeah, you're going to end up yeah. being the wrestling coach, the football coach, mm-hmm. uh, the baseball little league guy. And now all of a sudden you look at your calendar instead of those evenings in your front yard backyard, um, you'll be on a practice field. And I think that is a new 
missional opportunity to get to know those dads and know the neighbors and invest mm-hmm. in kids. And mm-hmm. that's a new space, but it t- pulls you out of the neighborhood. And then when the church gets overly programmed, it pulls you out of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I love prayer and worship nights, but it's another night you are leaving your neighborhood. You're mm. driving in your car. You're going to a church building and my neighbors aren't. And so you start to think about that, right? That rhythm of how many times am I going to leave the neighborhood to go and do discipleship and mission versus how do I stay in the neighborhood mm-hmm. to do discipleship mm-hmm. and mission and practice a faithful presence? And I want to circle back to what you said, Nate. You know, I'm more of wired as an evangelist, so I get excited almost trying to fill out what's the spiritual story of my neighbors. Yeah. And I get their cell phone numbers mm-hmm. and I figure out a way to have them over. And honestly, some people are kind of like they know what I'm selling and they're not interested. Totally. And that's okay. I'm just going to stick around and be kind mm-hmm. and play the long game. And they know if they invite me to go watch the game and have seven Bud Lights, I'm not going to probably be that guy with them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get those invites anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you modeled, what you just said, is there's an individuality to this. You taking that step. There's also a corporate component to mission in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. How do I find events that can engage my neighbors? So oh, we did yeah. like a Husker watch party with one of my neighbors, Roy. And we just said, hey, we're going to all watch the Husker game. Anybody can come. And it was an amazing turnout. Mm -hmm. And little things like that where you don't have to do mission by yourself. Uh, Oftentimes it requires you to build a bridge. But sometimes in city groups, you can do it with a group of people and say, hey, we're going to have a Halloween party. And everybody can come to the driveway. And Mm -hmm. we can all invite our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And that might not be something you could pull off with yourself. But you can pull off with a group of people. Totally. And uh, so I love that you kind of mentioned that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's easy to say, well, man. Nate's a superstar. Him and his wife are awesome. And, you know, I could never do that. Well, you could actually do it with a group of people. And oh, yeah, uh, it is sure. doable. So, for sure. Uh, anyways, any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, that's great. I, okay. I have, I'm still thinking about, I don't want to derail us, but I want to go back to the, I was just thinking about the church thing that you were talking about. I'm wondering, Chris, since you said that, do you have any wisdom since the people are pastors and leaders that that's rolling around in my mind? Yeah. Like how do you not over program or how have you thought through mm-hmm. that? Yeah, that's good or question. Nate, if you have any thoughts too, that's a good question. It, it, well, it was our original thought. I mean, guys, I mean, these were the, all the books that we originally read, right? 10 years ago. It was like, how do we keep the church simple, gather and scatter. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, the ministry model everybody was doing in the early nineties is we need to have a program every night of the week for every single age demographic. Mm-hmm. So you got to drive the kids to the church on Wednesday night. You got to come back for the adult discipleship on Thursday night. You've got to have a prayer and worship night. You got a care and counseling night. You, you've got all the nights. And so before you know it, guess where people aren't? Their kitchen table. Yeah. What is formational for the next generation? And what's even core to your own formation? Probably a kitchen table, yeah. right? you're leaving your neighborhood. You're not present in your neighborhood because now you got church activities. And I think what's now replacing it and competing is youth sports. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely, an, it's, it is ruthless. They do not care about your family rhythms or your neighboring. And, it, and a lot of people are feeling pulled there. And then you add on to the reality of dual income families. The price to live in America is higher. Yep. People mm-hmm. feel this pressure from materialism, and your the average price of a home is no longer 100, 200, it's 400 and some thousand plus car prices. So now you've got, you know, possibly multiple people in your family working, and you're working later, and you're coming home, and you're mm-hmm. rushing a meal. And it, it just feels like the, the American pace mm-hmm. added with the culture of sports, added with an over programmed church schedule. 
can work against you and your ability to have neighbors and mm-hmm. relationships and actually just, especially if you're married and you're listening to this, family. Like, it's okay to schedule an evening that is intentionally just, we are eating dinner as a family and we're playing in the front yard and that is the most spiritual thing we can do on a Friday night mm-hmm. and be great with that. Um, so I would just That's say, be aware of the American pace. They will set pace for you. Your employer will try to set pace for you. And then as pastors, we got to be really careful because when we're meeting with people who are really excited about the next initiative in their church, we got to have a global missions night. We got to have mm-hmm. this. We got to have this. All of them are great, but you got to understand you're saying yes to something and you're saying no to, to something else. Yes. And so, yep. Yep. Um, so I just want to be aware of those tensions. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And, and it's reflective of um, you by saying no to th- those things and saying yes to the things that are most valuable you are living out the values, yep. the desires, yep. the beliefs of the kingdom of yes, heaven, not the right. kingdom of man, yes, right? You're like, yes. fundamentally, we're not Americans. Fundamentally, we're yeah. citizens of the kingdom of heaven. 100%. And so well, you, get a, you get to practically and tangibly live that out live that in out. the rhythms of your life. Yeah, yes. that's good. Yeah, but that, that takes intentionality because I just I know the pressure that so many of our even pastors and ministry leaders are feeling, which is... You know, I am what I produce, and I am mm-hmm. how I perform, mm-hmm. and that drives us to work later. Uh, we feel like our worth is tied to how many ministry events we can show up to, mm-hmm. instead of how presence we can be with our families, with Jesus, and with our neighbors. And so, there's all of that that's happening in us. Does it yeah. make any sense? Oh, and yeah. uh, I get it. I get all these invitations to come, and people tell you how valuable your presence is going to be if you just show up and encourage the youth pastor. That means a ton to them, and I want to do those things. Those all, all these are good things. But what I'm trying to encourage our listeners to is, is listen to this story. You know, if in 20, 30 years the stories that you get to tell are, man, I saw God use my faithful presence in this neighbor's life, uh, that would be a pretty fun story that God could use. And so, uh, let's be aware of that. Well, Nate, thank you so so much for your time. Thanks for I'm just me. grateful for what God is doing through you and Becca, and um, not only your heart for City Light uh, Lincoln North but also your heart now to expand rural church planning. And we'll have to have you back on this podcast to talk about that soon. That'd be fun. Thanks uh, so so much, much, guys. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys.